Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks, that's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Corey, Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. It's Tony Marchese alongside NWI Steve. We are talking about another atrocious ending of a ball game here tonight at uh, at Sox on Tap. Steve, I'll get to you in just a second here, but before I do, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. That's where Steve goes to the content factory to talk about your Chicago White Sox. Uh, I've heard there's going to be some new new articles coming out here soon, so be sure you're checking out our White Sox section. Steve, it's not the game we want to be talking about tonight. How you doing, my friend? Hey, yo, Anthony. Uh, not great, Bob. It's really something when you think about it, the fact that uh, the two losses the Sox have here in the last nine games – they scored nine runs and seven and lost. Yeah, that's not really easy to do. Uh, that's something that we saw over the course of the White Sox losing streak uh, be, you know, somewhat difficult for them. And then even over the course of the White Sox winning streak, I think they were getting more than around four runs a game if, if they were lucky to do so. Uh, Steve, bats come alive bullpen kind of falters a little bit uh over the last two games it's it, it over the last few games honestly really outside of uh locking it down for the 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 game before we had the covid cancellations um you know, I, I, what do you do here it's just one of them things over the course of 162 games some weird shit's going to happen obviously monday night weirdest scenario that you could possibly imagine worst baseball scenario I've ever witnessed live and in person in my life. And then, you know, today it's just kind of one of those things where, as I've said, a couple, two, three dozen times ball go far team go far. I mean, Steve, we, we, I, I hate to do this, but you have to give a little bit of like admiration towards what the Yankees are doing right now in the sense of they look like a complete package. They've got the bullpen working, the the offense is working. This is what you want to see from your from your White Sox team. Real realistically, that's what you want your ball club to look like uh, on paper on the field. Um, you know, was this a result in your mind of the the better team winning tonight because they were able to come back and respond? I mean, seven runs should be enough with Dylan Cease on the mound should be enough to get the job done, and it just wasn't tonight. So, like, where where is that? Is that the Yankees are, are just better than the White Sox yes. right now? Or is it yeah, any other factor than that? They're they're better than the Sox right now. It's, okay. it's just that simple. Um, we see this far too often over the last couple of years when the Sox go up against the upper echelon teams in the American League, when they go up against the Yankees, when they go up against the Astros. Um, 
you know, they they do an okay job against the Rays. The fact of the matter is the Sox as a team on the pitching side of it walk too many guys. And when you do that against highly disciplined teams like the Yankees, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. So when you walk too many guys and when you as a team have an offensive approach that you're essentially allergic to taking walks, um, it's going to be challenging and things like this are going to happen. So I don't know where they fix this, how how they change this mindset and this approach that they have organizationally and team-wide, but we've been seeing this from the Yankees for the last 25 years. They will grind you to death. It's what they do. They will work constantly. They have guys up and down that lineup that are not afraid to take strikes. That's something that you cannot say about the White Sox lineup. And so when you have guys that are willing to work counts, get themselves into in, into hitters situations there, or or just even you know being in O2 counts, seeing a lot of pitches with consistency, eventually later in games, that second, third time through the order there, they're going to be in a better position to do damage. And we saw that tonight. Yeah, Steve, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say that this White Sox team can't beat the Yankees. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, weird things happen in baseball. I think that they played a competitive game up until a point tonight, but it was when the White Sox raised the bar, the Yankees just kind of laughed in their face. That's kind of how I've, I felt with this. You know, Yohan Moncada comes out and he, he, he if they're la- if, Let me ask you this, though, Anthony. If they're laughing in their faces, that's symbolic of a of a team that can ultimately beat the Yankees? If, if the Yankees are laughing think, at them, I, I, I'm not saying that they can beat them consistently. The White Sox will be able to beat the Yankees, I think, in in probably one game at least this series. It's going to feel good when it happens. I don't know. You you seem to think differently here. I know you just witnessed some stuff live and in person that's hurt you, but I, I, man, I I thought that there was a response from the White Sox lineup tonight, uh, and to a certain extent. You, you can look at the, the Joe Kelly appearance and say, is that what you're going to get every single time from Joe Kelly? I'm disappointed in it. I, I don't like the fact that your free agent acquisition over the offseason, the guy that you bring in uh, to, to be that veteran presence in the bullpen, as well as Kendall Graveman. And, you know, he's got the, the experience going to the World Series, kind of gets just trounced. That's not a good feeling. But, you know, there's alternate scenarios here where he throws pitches in the zone and gets guys out, and maybe the White Sox ride into the bottom of the eighth inning without a seven-run deficit. I mean, there were other things that occurred during that inning that could have changed the course of the ball game. When I say laughed in their faces, I mean, the Yankees' offense came back and responded against a, a good pitcher, a guy who's had a great career and the same free agent I'm talking about right now. You just have to be better in those situations. That's kind of my take here is you have to be the team that's going to come back out and respond to a Yohan Moncada home run that ties the ball game up like that. Like that's what you want to see from this White Sox offense. They haven't shown the ability to do that to the fullest extent that the Yankees have to this point, but there was some fight back and forth here before it got to a point where it was totally out of hand. I mean, seven runs, that's, that's, that's a that's a decent amount of offense for a baseball team. You should days. you should win that baseball game when you, you score should. seven runs. You should. And so you've got to be better somewhere along the lines if you're getting beat by a score of fifteen to seven. Well, I mean it's it's somewhere. clean it's it up. Pretty, it's pretty simple then. What you gotta do is you gotta throw fucking strikes and you can't walk the bases loaded when you've got, you know, Aaron Judge coming up. 
or I'm, or I'm sorry, uh, John, John Carlos Stanton. I mean, you, you can't walk the bases loaded. It's just that simple. No, you can't. And, and that's, that's the other thing too. And we talked about this a little bit in the socks on tap group chat and Johnny had some fun with it. Every single at bat, the Aaron judge home run. That's what I want to see from White Sox players. Now, it's I can't go after Yohan Moncada at this very moment, Steve, because of the, the home run that he had tonight. But when you talk about these guys as, as a White Sox fan, when, when, you, when you have the discussions that you see take place on Twitter.com about Yohan Moncada or about Eloy Jimenez or, or name your player on the White Sox, you want those sexy highlights. You want those big moment home runs as a fan of the team. When you, you know, just get acquainted to a prospect or a guy who's coming up through your system, like a Yoan Moncada or even like an Aaron judge, um, you, you want to see those big moments and, and, and shine on that stage type shit. It, it's really hard when, as a white Sox fan, just for me personally. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you this. You know, when you watch a team like the Yankees and you see what they did today, right in front of your face, here's a two home run game from Stanton. Aaron Judge fucking puts one on your goddamn concourse. It's like you, we go to a lot of White Sox games. We watch this team every day. At what point over the last few years have you seen those big star moments where it's like the lineup just pops off for a bunch of home runs all at once? It feels like it doesn't happen consistently, and it feels like when teams like the Yankees walk in to guaranteed rate, they just fucking hit. And then, you know, warning track ball after warning track ball after warning track ball. It gets fucking tiring, dude. And that's the problem that I have with some of these guys. These are all guys that have been signed to extensions, and and, and if you want to go into the money is spent conversation, that's what they should be doing. And that's where it, that's that's the problem I have with it is the fact that, the guys that you paid aren't doing that shit enough. At the end of the day, it comes down to you have real organizations across major league baseball. And then you have little mom and pop shops. We know where the white Sox fall. But Steve, can you honestly sit there and say seventh, in payroll yes, I, yes, I, yes, I, and yes, say I, it's a mom and pop shop. Yes, then I can. You've, then you have a problem with all 20, 23 plus other teams behind that. I have a problem on multiple different levels. So the resource allocation, when like 40, well, that's a big discussion. That's okay. a big discussion. Okay. So, so that, that matters right there, but also mom and pop shop in the sense that this player development system for going on 20, years or so has not been good. It is not what the Yankees see. The Yankees, when they bring guys up, Aaron judge has, you know, he had his initial struggles during his rookie season. Since then he has been a star when he has been on the field, they've gotten production out of Glaber Torres. You can talk about, you know, has he lived up to what people thought he was going to be when that trade was made? That's a, that's a fair discussion. Probably not, but he's still a productive MLB player. And And then they go and they, and they, bring in major league veterans and they make them better. DJ LeMayhew has been better since he got to the New York Yankees. And, Josh- and here's, here's another question for you. Like going out and bringing in a guy like Josh Donaldson. Yeah. It helps the white Sox to a certain extent in the fact that he gets Josh Donaldson out of your division. But look, I'm, I'm almost more upset that he plays for the New York Yankees than that he plays for the Minnesota twins because of the way that, 
our rosters constructed and who you're going to meet in the playoffs. You got to figure it out. Then you got to get, you know, and this comes back to what I say about them being a mom and pop shop because they don't have a good development system. They don't have the infrastructure in place. You look at teams like the Yankees and, and I'm sorry, the road to the American league pennant still goes through Houston. I don't know if you've been watching this. This team's won 10 in a row. They literally went up to Minnesota, and they dick-slapped the shit out of the Twins today here. Well, I'll go back to something I said on our season preview show, Steve. I don't want to make it seem as if what we're doing right now doesn't matter, but to me, the real measuring stick this year is past that first round of the playoffs. This This is the good measuring stick, right? These are the series that I'm really tuned into, how do you how do you respond to this now if you're a White Sox club? Because once again, in a playoff series type feel against the New York Yankees on a weekend, the weather's warmed up, and you've got Jose Abreu hitting routine grounders to shortstop like it's his fucking job right now. Those are the guys that have to show up. This isn't. To, to me, it's not a you know a managerial tactic here or there. It's not a this guy didn't make this one pitch. It's also like where are your star players? Where's your where's your former MVP right now? No, you're you're right. Look, as long as Jose Abreu continues to hit the ball on the ground, and as long as he has money, Grandal, you know, keeps hitting the ball on the ground into the shift, this team isn't going to do a fucking thing. I mean that, and that's, I mean, that's, that's where that's just that's just what it is. But Steve, if those, if some, those some guys, the, if they're if they're not going to hit, if they're not going to provide power in the middle part of this lineup, uh, yeah, maybe you can win this division and you know winning 84, 85 games. But, but you're not getting get, past the Yankees. You're, you're, you're not getting past Houston. You're not getting past the Yankees. You're not going. You're not going there. And I, I'm not meaning to be negative here. This team could have a magical run. That that's not out of the realm of possibility. But the the facts that we see right now, Steve is there were systemic problems here we've yes there are but we also have we also have one one real thing that needs to get figured out it's the star players the guys that were were sold to you as phenoms the guys that were brought in as part of this thing you know there were t-shirts with all these guys last names on them and and pray for the league for so long and if we're sitting here right now still talking about how, you know, we're not quite there yet, and those are the guys that the organization chose to invest in, bringing back Jose Abreu, giving money to Johan Moncada, giving money to Luis Robert, giving money to Eloy Jimenez. If, if you want to make that argument that, you know, we should have spent even more, that's fine. I'm I'm taking this a different way. They think they spent the money. Where's the onus on the guys that aren't providing me highlight real home runs at a more consistent rate? Yet everybody wants to seem to get mad at Lurie Garcia and Gavin Sheets and a couple other things. Yeah, that's frustrating. I can appreciate that. So, so when you talk, when you talk about you know guys like Eloy and Yoan not living up to expectations, that's where it is a developmental problem, and that's where I come back to the infrastructure. Not being there, not being in line with teams like the Yankees, not being in line with someone like the Astros or the Rays that we see consistently in the postseason year in and year out, and teams that get the most they can out of their players. Look at look at the Astros. 
Look at look at that core group of guys. Okay, their core group of guys have produced at the major league level. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa when he was there, Jordan Alvarez now. Um, you've got um, Tucker. Now they just keep bringing guys up through their system. And well, you know what? The, the one that bothers me, Steve, is Miles Straw, who comes up in this system. He's like he's not like the biggest name, right? Produces there, gets traded over to Cleveland, and is now a thorn in the White Sox side in the division. But yet, like because the Astros are a smart organization that right. utilizes like, resources I, correctly. I think Miles Straw is the part of a winning ball club. The guy gets on base. He plays an excellent defense. He he, he hits the ball. like he, he just does things that become annoying. He's a good ball player. And then they can trade that away and continue to help their organization. We haven't been able to even like trade guys away through this to kind of help out what we're doing outside of Dane Dunning. Because one organization knows what they're doing and the other doesn't. Correct. So that, that that's where I want to go back to it. I don't know if it's really Steve. I honestly don't know. Seventh in the league in payroll. I don't know if the payroll is the problem. Maybe it's a little bit of allocation. It's, it's of it's both where that is. Oh yeah, hell, I'd love them to spend another hundred million and 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 just just go all in. But we know that, that ain't gonna fucking happen, dude. Look, so uh, you got to you got to work within your constraints, and you've got to be able to win. Here's here's the example, or or kind of the framework, right now. The Mets do not have a good farm system. Steve Cohen, obviously the richest owner in the, in the league, looked at this and said, okay. I've got two paths here. Either one, I can pump a shit ton of money into this team at the major league level and blow past the luxury tax to, you know, the third level, pay the, you know, the $25, $30 million fine, which he finds in his couch cushions. Okay. That's like, you know, 20 or $30 to you and I'll I. Ask, I'll ask you this, man. Are, are, are Where are you happy with what? Do, do they need to be number one in spending every year? For like, I, I I'm just really curious. At the end of the day, they should be they should be a top, they should be probably top five to seven in payroll every year. But they also then the area that nobody talks about. Everybody only wants to look at that payroll number when when the Jerry Reinsdorf relatives you know want to comment me on Twitter.com and say that I'm being too mean to you know the 86 year old asshole that's been ruining my life for almost four decades. Um, the fact of the matter is this. Okay, people only want to look at that major league payroll. They don't want to look at the fact that for 20 years he neglected the Latin American market. He refuses to sign 16-year-olds out of the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. Those are the guys that turn into your superstars. That he he wants to spend money on 23-year-old Cubans. Okay, which yeah, you can get a Luis Robert that way, but you know, then you get guys like like Gilbert hey, like like Gilbert Diversify right. it. And, and Diversify he, re- it he, refu- he refuses uh, up, uh, up until this past year, he has refused to draft high school position players. Again, that's if you look across Major League Baseball, the overwhelming majority of superstars are position players that were drafted out of high school. He refuses to do those things because he seems to be morally opposed to giving multi-million dollar deals to teenagers. And because of that, the infrastructure and the continuous pipeline that we were told was going to be there isn't. So that's so yeah. so when so when I talk about this thing being a mom and pop shop, that's what I'm referring to. 
I, I, I get you. And I, we, we've actually never gone down this, this path of conversation to the extent we have. And Steve and I talk a lot about the White Sox for those that tune into this. Like I'm, I'm kind of going off the, the beaten path here. Like I'm, I'm actually really curious about this because of the game today. Let me get back to the game today here for a second. Sox lose by a final of 15 to seven to the New York Yankees. Not a pleasant night here at Sox on Tampa. I'm enjoying this conversation, Steve. I, I, I really love to dig in and just learn what you have to say because you've followed this team a little bit longer than me. I look at you as kind of an, an older brother, so to speak, in, in certain ways because you've you've been around this team more than I have for, for a long time. So uh, I'm enjoying this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Dylan Cease here. Uh, comes into this ball game and just – you know, apparently only wants to strike people out. Otherwise, we're serving some shit up. Steve, give me some takes on Dylan Cease tonight. Okay, so I kind of watched this Dylan Cease start a little differently than I have his other ones to to this point in the season here. So I actually was charting and looking at what he was throwing on his first pitches and what pitches he was using for his strikeouts. So it was interesting. He faced 20 hitters today. He threw 12 first pitch fastballs, four first pitch sliders, and four curveballs. So 60% of the time, he's attacking with the fastball early on it. And that has really kind of gone against the grain, what we have seen from him early on this season, pitching backwards and utilizing his breaking pitches to set guys up. So Obviously, that was probably a concerted effort, something within the scouting report, maybe maybe some advanced scouting data that they you know looked at to try to develop a game plan here. So I found that to be fascinating. The other thing I was really encouraged by was him utilizing the changeup with more frequency today than we have seen at any other point. Again, I think that probably just comes from knowing how right-hand dominant that Yankees lineup is for the most part, and realizing you got to give them another wrinkle in there. So he was utilizing that changeup, and it was very effective in certain spots. Um, he he left a couple of them up to, um, you know, um, Mr. Dirty Slide, uh, Tony Rizzo, and uh, DJ LeMahieu, you know, that he, he, he got burned on those a little bit. But seeing him be able to work in there now a potential fourth pitch is something that is only going to enhance his arsenal going forward. And then if you look at it from his strikeout standpoint, I mean, he was very well diversified there three on the fastball, three on the changeup, three on the slider, and then two on the curveball. So trying to kind of break up his patterns a little bit. But again, it, I did find it fascinating to see him utilizing first pitch fastballs with such regularity today in contrast to what we've seen in his earlier starts. Well, I, I love some of that. The, 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 the one thing that I want to get back to and just hear your take on, Steve, is would you consider this a successful start no. for Dylan Seas tonight? No. no. Okay. All right. So I, I'm I'm with you there. I, I agree. This is not there are, a successful. There start. are positive. There are positive things that can be taken from it. But, but I don't want him trying out developmental stuff in a game. It, like that, 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 I, I don't. I don't look at that as a developmental type thing. The fact of the matter is, in in high stakes games, if you're pitching against the Astros, if you're pitching against the Yankees, if you're pitching against the Rays, 
You've got to keep those guys off balance because, again, those teams are really smart. They have really good advanced scouts. So this is where having that fourth pitch to be able to work into that mix is going to be so important here. And now, you know, he if the rotation stays online here, they're going to see Dylan Cease again for the Sunday night game of the week next weekend. So now they're going to have that little bit of seed of doubt in their mind. Okay, is he going to start? Is he going to utilize the changeup with as much frequency? Because then if they put themselves in a position to where they're looking for that changeup, maybe in some one, 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 two counts, you know, if you're thinking an 83, 84 mile an hour changeup's coming, you got no chance. High spin 97 at the top. I, of the I zone. wasn't I wasn't actually thinking on that level, Steve. And I I I, I really like that thought. I really like that thought of, of of where you're coming from here in terms of how this rotation plays out and what kind of 4D chess is happening behind the scenes here in terms of, hey, we're going to see this guy again uh, in, in short order. So um, I, I just thought that, that was a very valuable bit of information there. Uh, if you're t- tuned into the show, I, do. I think that that was, that was some, some like very deep level thinking there, Steve. Uh, Good shit. Um, moving along in this game, uh, Steve, the the White Sox offense is something that I want to talk about here. Three runs in the second. Uh, they they were able to respond to a uh, three run third from from New York, uh, as well as a uh, one run uh, fourth inning from them by putting a run back up themselves. Uh, Sox come back after the Yankees score one in the seventh and put up a three spot in the third. That's where I wanted to go back to and say, there was some fight in this offense tonight. We were talking in the Sox on tap group chat and, and Johnny asked us a question. Do we have a chance to put up any runs against the Yankees bullpen? The Sox were able to do that today. That's where like, I thought things were going pretty good. If you, if you're a white Sox fan, you, you kind of think like, Hey man, like that, that's where I say, the White Sox can beat the Yankees. You just have to like shut that shit down and play pristine baseball. That's something that I said uh, in the chat when we were talking about some of this stuff. Steve, talk about some of the, the things that you saw from the White Sox offense today. Well, the one, you know, you know, there were some good things that happened offensively. Um, you, you know, we talked about this obviously scratching and clawing back from a couple of different deficits throughout the course of this game is definitely a positive thing. Um, AJ Pollock is starting to show some signs of life here over the last week. Um, that's something that's kind of been talked about quite a bit in various media circles is just how slow he typically starts. And then, you know, may June come around and then all of a sudden he he'll go on a tear and it looks like that might be starting to happen here. So I, I talk about this all the time about lengthening the lineup and putting stress on opposing pitchers here. If Pollock is going to be able to be in the midst of one of those hot stretches now, that can kind of help to take some of the burden off of the fact that Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal are struggling. Hey, Steve, so, pardon me for inserting here. Fuck that. Jose Abreu needs to hit the fucking baseball. No, I agree 100%. But I also agree with your take. AJ Pollock guys picking each other up, that's fine. But I feel like guys have been picking Jose up for a long time. Yeah. It's time to get on the MVP shit. Yeah. No, you're you're 100% right. As I talked about earlier here, if him and Yasmani Grandal are not providing power to this team in the middle of the part of the lineup, they're going to be in trouble. That's that's just what it is. Yeah, I mean, no, that's, I don't I they, don't mean to insert negative comment. I feel like I'm playing resident Johnny Nani tonight, 
but I just had to say it. Like, I don't want to hear any more Jose Abreu excuses. I want to see fucking home runs. I want to yep. see fingers. I want to see doubles. I want the daily Jose double back. Yeah, the one the one sequence in this game that I thought was very pivotal that is not going to get talked about here is that fourth inning when the Sox, you know, they were down six to three going into the inning. They load the bases with one out and they get one run because of a wild pitch. Yes, this We've is a seen, major sequence. In we this have game. seen that far too often here in the first month and a half of the season of this team being in position with multiple runners in scoring position and less than two outs and getting one run if they're lucky. You saw tonight that that eighth inning was a perfect example of it. The what, was the, the, what was the stat? We had a, a Jake what, what, tweet. Oh, oh God, it was like, like, like one for one for 36. Enter our group like chat tonight. If you're not following Jay Cuda, go follow Jay Cuda. He's got White Sox stats for days. But one for what? What did you say? I, th- I think for, it was like one for thirty-six. One for thirty-six, some obnoxious some. number. We talk about being opportunistic on this show. We talk about how you score runs, how you win ball games. Narrator voice. That in fact is not opportunistic. That is not. It's not. It's not opportunistic, Stephen. It it grinds my gears. Things that drive you up the wall are White Sox batters in. In, in positions where they have runners in scoring position so far in 2022 or bases loaded, whatever it is, they're near the bottom of the league. That's not great. Bob dot gif posted on twitter.com. Not great. Bob, you have to be able to execute. You could be talking about blowing the game wide open early. That sets the tone, Steve. It sets well, the well, not only that, I mean, in that in that particular spot right there, you know, if you're able to punch more than one run across the board there, maybe you get, um, you know, heel out of, out of this game earlier and you get into the Yankees' middle relief quicker. And then all of a sudden now that's putting more strain on their bullpen, not only for today, but for yes. the remainder of the weekend there. That shit matters. I, I love I love where your baseball mind's at today, Steve. I, I, I really do. Because it's something that I look at in every series is how does game one go? How are you going to tax this? But what, what happened a couple of days before? You know the Yankees are riding in here hot. The best way to slow that shit down is, is something that Steve said earlier. Start taking pitches. Drive up the pitch counts. Make the pitchers work because – you might lose game one of, of of the series. But if you battle and start to wear down the other team, the same way the Yankees grind you out, you can grind a team out where it, it doesn't have to be an onslaught of, well, we only had to go to two of our middle guys. You, you see it from the White Sox side, right? Like you go into a series against the Kansas City Royals and all of a sudden it's like Graveman, Hendricks, uh, after you saw like five other dudes come out because mm. Dylan Cease only made it four innings. I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about previous years. Th- that's what game one in, in, in a series is going to do to you and set that up for that other ball club. Because just the same way that fans look at like what's going on in this current series, the first game in every series, how do you work that team's bullpen to start setting yourself up for success later on in the series is important I, I love where your baseball mind's at tonight, Steve. I think that that's an awesome take. Hey, like I said, I was due. 
Um, sometimes sleep deprivation can uh, bring quality thought processes out. Who knew? Yes, Steve's gonna go to sleep here soon. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close the book on today's. It's it's game. not it's not just it's not just tonight. It's this is a continuation of that uh, shit show that I experienced on Monday. That was just you know the beginning of this downward spiral. <laughs> well, you know what, Steve? Let's let's close this up soon so you can get to bed. Uh, what do we have on tap for the White Sox coming up here tomorrow? Look, the, this is going to be a tough one tomorrow. Obviously, Garrett Cole taking the mound for the Yankees. Uh, Vinny Velo, Vin Velasquez on the mound for the Sox. How are you feeling about this? I'm, I'm not. I'm not feeling great. I'm not feeling great. Vinny, yeah. Vinny Velo. So I'll ask you this one: If I'm, you know, perusing, you know, available starting pitchers in my fantasy baseball league, and Vince Velasquez is available, you know, in in the free agent pool for tomorrow, are you picking him up tomorrow and saying, "I'm going to ride this guy"? I am not, um, simply because I just I'm not overly confident in. You're not on the Vinny Velo train right now. No, no, it's it's just it, it's a it's a matchup thing here, and you know we saw that start in Minnesota where he was falling behind everybody consistently, and I don't think he made it out of the second inning that day. We saw the types of at bats that the Yankees hitters put together on a consistent basis here. If Vinny falls behind with consistency, that's going to spell trouble for him. And then again, all of a sudden now we're talking about having to dip into that bullpen very early, and that's just problematic. So strike one is going to be of paramount importance for Vince. Um, If he can have that good depth on his slider that he had in that start against the Angels a couple of weeks back, that will obviously position him pretty well, and he threw the ball well against the Red Sox. Um, in his last start at Fenway last weekend here. So there is some positive momentum going for him, but he simply cannot afford to fall behind these Yankee hitters. Otherwise, it's it, it's going to be problematic. Hey, Steve, I want the rest of this series to have a feel the dreams feel. We saw the White Sox. I would like that too. In person, you know, do some do some damage to the Yankees out in Iowa. Maybe they should just move the series out that way yeah. uh, for the final three games. We'll but yeah, you know, just out. Vinny, just go out there and um, you know attack the strike zone aggressively, and you know keep uh, guys like that uh, dirty slide douchebag Anthony Rizzo off the bases, and things will be good. Uh, hey, that's all you got to do. Hey, uh, Steve, before we get out of here, you got to pick the click for tomorrow. Who's going to get the job done for the White Sox? Who's going to bring home uh, the the win here? Who's who's going to help make that happen? Because we need some. Some more positive discussion on this show tomorrow night. If I'm going to take somebody, I'm going to, I'm just going to go crazy here. Because, um, you know, Garrett, like I said, Garrett Cole, this on paper does not look good for the Sox tomorrow here. So if he's in the lineup, I'm going to take Josh Harrison. They spent a lot of time together in Pittsburgh. So he obviously kn- knows him pretty well. Going uh, crazy with it. Yeah, let's that that just seems I'm like digging, a logical choice. I'm, 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 I'm digging deep here, okay? Um, you know, maybe he's he's got an advanced scouting report on him. Who knows? Maybe maybe he guesses right on a first pitch fastball and uh hits his first home run in a Sox uniform. That'd be nice. Uh so that's what I'm gonna go with here. I rode Tim Anderson today into this ball game. Um by but, the way, 
By the way, we seem to be glossing over the fact that I did um, take Yohan Moncada today, and he did deliver with his first home run. You did, so I will give you plus one on here. I don't have a little button that gives like points on this show, but I wish I did. I'm going to figure out how to do that so we can give plus ones. If you're in the in the Twitter uh, watching this, uh, go give Steve some heart things. If you're in the comments, uh, you know, tell Steve he did a good job today. I think that would you know, help him out here as he gets, you know, through some of his pick to click excellence. Your baseball mind, Steve, is just is just going at, you know, a million miles an hour. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, the, we can use this to solve so many problems. Uh, Don't I, test me for PEDs, though, because because I'm, I'm totally clean. He is. He's he's 100% clean. I've seen Nani like go on some really awesome streaks of where he's. Oh, he'll go on uh, some heaters. Yeah, he goes on some heaters. T- thanks, Tom. I, I love this. Good job, G-Lo, Steve. My, my my buddy Gilo in the house. This is one of my uh, one of my fellow South Suburban College Bulldogs in the house. Here we were having a little powwow over text during the game here today. That's that's awesome. I, I love to see it. Uh, we need more good job, Steves in 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 the chat. Uh, Steve, I, I don't know who I want to go with here. You know, Gavin Sheets, a couple home runs, drives the ball out, uh, you know, into uh, the into the gap today. I, I think, you know, potentially it, it might be time to get back on, on the Gavin Sheets train. So I'm, I'm going to go ride with Gavin Sheets. Maybe he connects with one tomorrow and sends one out into the former Goose Island section. I, I would like to see that. I, I it would make it would make you very very happy and it make you would. a very pro- make you a very proud papa to see your baby boy put one out there. It would it would really honor me to see Gavin Sheets just connect off of a Garrett Cole fastball and park it into an Anheuser Busch formerly owned section of the White <laughs> Sox Stadium. I'm gonna roll Gavin Sheets. I think he'll be in the lineup. Not positive, but if he's not. I'll have a different pick to click, and Johnny will tweet it for us. Be sure you're going on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Steve's baseball mind is absolutely on fire. You might have something coming for you in the content factory over in the White Sox section of that specific website. Steve, do you have any final thoughts before we close this one down? Flush it and find a way tomorrow. doesn't matter how. Find a way, Vinny V, go out there, throw strikes. Otherwise, it's going to be problems. I love it, Steve. I'm with you. Throw strikes, hit the ball, maybe in the air, especially if your name's Jose Abreu. That's all I've got. Steve, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.